Hola, mi amigo. It's the office party. This week, I'm back in Vegas. I do it, I do it a couple times a year, but I have drawn to Vegas like I'm off to a flame. It's a very special episode of the Loftus Party. Not only do we have uh, Liberty Gypsy back in her Liberty camp, we have, for the first time ever, a very special guest. You, you've read his stuff at, at RedAlertPolitics.com. He's a fantastic dude. We met him at CPAC. He's about to be a, a guest on the Flipside television show. We just, we just, that one comes out like next week. Please welcome to the show, Ryan James Gerdusky. Ryan, how's it going, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. You sound like it. I can, it's like, it's like watching a glass of champagne, just like the bubbles <laughs> are just coming to the surface. All right, I'll do better. I'm so excited to be here. There you go. I like it. You know, I don't care if you have to fake it. I'm, um, yeah. I'm from New York, so nothing interests me that much. But um, I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm t- I'm living in terror of I haven't been to my New York apartment in a, in like a month, uh, and I'm living in terror. I just like that like hobos are living in there, and there's like animals and stuff. Well, I forget hobos, hipsters. I mean, that's that's even worse. All it is is the smell of ganja, coffee, and regret. I mean, that's all you have. So <laughs> with just a, just a wisp of patchouli. <laughs> is that still a thing? Oh, it is. Is They're it? everywhere. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. So, Ryan, you're a writer at Red, Alert's po- at Red Alert Politics. You've got to be on top of it, man. How many articles did you say you write for those guys a week? Uh, about 25 a week, give or take. It depends on if like, I have a big exclusive or a long exclusive, um, which I didn't last week, but I did the week before. And um, it's great. You know, I've been their number one writer almost consistently for two years. Um, I've grown a lot with them and the company really took off. It's a it's a it's a site for millennials by millennials. Um, You know, the people that the media loves to sit there and analyze over and over again. And um, it's um, it's 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 doing really, really good. It's growing. um, It's growing in, in with our biggest our biggest readership is like. Um, 25 to 32 year olds. So it's a super good, mar- it's a great market for um, conservative media because mostly, most conservative, you know, traditional viewers of conservative media are fairly much older. Yeah, yeah. And now, have you been to uh, my website at all? Have you been to theloftestparty.com? Yes, I have. I, 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 of course I did. I actually, and I also IMBD'd you. I did all my homework. Holy smoke. <laughs> How's the IMDB? I hear my IMDB page is horrible. You know, it's not horrible. It does need work. Like, it doesn't have anything personal about you. And I like it only, I think it only has like a select few of things that you've actually done. I think you're more accomplished than it lets on for. Here, here I'll drop a new one on you. You might have seen me on CNN. I, I heard you on CNN today. How was that? It was great. We were, they, they asked for me to um, talk about the, uh, the White House Correspondence Dinner. Now, it was, I think it was supposed to be a comic on the left and a comic on the right, and we were supposed to fight over it. But, like, who honestly, the, now— Who was the comic on the left? Oh, my gosh. He's got a show on XM Satellite Radio. Well, he's doing really well, then. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very nice XM guy. Satellite uh, Pete, Radio. Pete he's performing. Pete, Pete Dominic. Pete Dominic was his name. And now performing in front of, in front of fives of tens of people. Pete Dominic, everybody. <laughs> he was a very nice guy. We didn't fight. Now, here was the great thing. Here was and uh Stacy, did you see the um uh White House correspondence dinner? 
I saw pieces, bits and pieces of it. I was trying to go back and forth between the rally and the White House correspondence dinner and look at Twitter and do all that kind of stuff. So my attention was a okay. little bit divided. <laughs> I did have I did have mixed feelings on it. Like I got to give it. OK, for one thing, the kid told uh, th this one joke. Um, I'm, I keep calling him Mickey Minaj. I'm, I am. You know what? I'm just going to call him uh, Mickey Minaj. Uh, he told this one joke, hey, don't get mad when Trump goes golfing because all the time he's on the golf course, that's times he's not being president. And I'm like, yay, hooray. I love that joke because I told that joke about Obama two years ago on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I can't really get mad at him about that. Um, and then I also liked his slams on MSNBC. Oh, and when I was on CNN, I'm like, I always like to watch MSNBC to see if uh, Mika's crying. I just like to check in to see if she's still holding it together. <laughs> like Michael so purposefully goes there to MSNBC to talk about so Joy Ann Reed and and me and Mika. Joy, yes. Joy, Joy Reed, Joy Reed, um, Joy Reed, yeah. Joy Reed. Um, and then the one I liked is I liked I like Mickey Minaj's uh, slam on uh, CNN too. Uh, I thought, thought he was very funny with that, like, you know, hey, what are your thoughts on the blah, blah, blah crisis? Texas, that, but you're like, hey, no, 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 you're the news. How about you tell me what's going on? However, when it all came down to First Amendment stuff, and this was the theme of, uh, of the latest episode of The Flip Side, the one that, uh, Ryan, you're going to be on, uh, was the First Amendment. Like, when he wraps it all up in, like, this First Amendment crap, like, no one is attacking the First Amendment. No one. Well, the left is. Um, yeah. Antifa is um, at Berkeley University is, but President Trump isn't. Um, but, you know, he is I think I think Republicans have this weird belief system that they would that they are going to be the left's friend that, you know, had it been like Marco Rubio instead of Donald Trump, that he wouldn't be mocked as cruelly as 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 he's. Every Republican is going to be made out to be like Hitler. They just are. Um, that's their game. It has nothing to do with the facts. It has nothing to do with what's actually with the issues that they're campaigning for. It's just the nature of the left to run there. So, yeah, it makes, you know, I forget what debate it was. I think it was in 2000 and I want to say 2012. I think it was Mitt Romney and, um, oh, God, Wolf Blitzer. Uh, Wolf Blitzer sits there and asks Mitt Romney about uh, banning uh, birth control. And then God bless Mitt Romney. He goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> no one is banning birth <laughs> control. Like, what are you talking about? But they run to these 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 non issues all the time just to sit there and give you the 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 memo. Oh yeah, by the way, he's bad. This person's bad. Yeah, like I guess on the chairs at the correspondence dinner with these little pins about the First Amendment. Like, yeah, um, no one's taken away the First Amendment. And the last time I checked. Uh, Trump has been way more open with the press than Obama was. And right. I haven't I haven't I haven't seen like a uh, uh, Trump, you know, boycott certain uh, press outlets. And I, I haven't seen him spying on reporters from Fox and having people's phones tapped. It's insane. Yeah. Um, this is this, it, but those facts, they, they don't matter. I mean, Barack Obama could have done anything to the press and they would have embraced him. I forget who, what, uh, what, uh, what rapper it was, uh, oh, not a road rapper. It was Van, it was Van Jones, I believe, or, uh, or one of those, or, or Torre, Torre was the one who said it. Torre yeah. said that, uh, Barack Obama could have, um, come out as gay and left Michelle for a white man and he would have gotten 95% of the black vote. They are the same. The media is the same yeah. way. 
They don't care whatsoever. It's not about issues or integrity. It is totally about politics and being in the right fashionable crowd. And that's, I mean, it, this is, it, that's why they call it nerd prom. These are the people who couldn't get, you know, dates to the alternative prom, let alone the regular one. So they throw this function in Washington, D.C., where all the men have double chins and all the women have no upper lip, no ass, and can't dance. And that's what they you know, sit there and celebrate themselves. It's pathetic. <laughs> I loved, loved, loved that Trump went to Harrisburg on, on that night and like they had to do the split screen thing. That was fantastic. That was like the best call ever. No, it was. It was smart. It was really smart politics because it was just another F you to that class of people that, you know, that he's sitting there instead of hanging out with them. He's hanging out with regular Americans in Harrisburg. That I mean, that was that was I don't know who made that call, but whoever did was just absolutely smart as they could by, by doing that. I I love that it was like visually, visually just looking at your TV. Here you have Trump talking to a bunch of regular people on one side of the screen and then a, a bunch of people in tuxedos going, this president's trying to take away the First Amendment, blah, blah, blah. Well, who was it? Was it Woodward or Bernstein that actually had the quote of the night? Which was what? Um, I forget which one of them it was now. But uh, he actually got up and said, at a point in history where trust in the media and the press is at an all-time low, I think y'all need to take a good look at yourselves and maybe this celebration in the right place to do it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I tell you, this, this, they, uh, they have a huge problem. And, this, and I've said it twice on the TV show now. That's like who, what, when, where, why. That's all you have to do. Just if you can't keep your opinion out of it. Uh, like, and they don't even have to do it, do it that long. They just have to be good, regular, old school journalists for like a couple of months and America will start buying back in. Like we're we're a very very forgiving culture. Yeah, um, I'll give a shout out to somebody right now. There's one named Jennifer Jacobs from Bloomberg. Probably I consider one of the best living journalists in the country right now. Just honest, straightforward. There's literally no opinion. It's just who, what, when, where, why. I think she's absolutely fantastic. And you know, being a writer, I didn't understand like that relationship. Um, that you get with some readers. I mean, I have, I mean, I, I've been a fan of newsmakers for a long time. And over the last election cycle, and I, I mean this with all sincerity, a couple of them broke my heart because I really did. Errol Lewis from CNN, for example, I, if he said he was my, he was the New York local political newscaster for our local channel before we said CNN. And if he said something, I believed it because I thought that he was smart and, and had integrity. And I messaged him. I said, I want you to know, if you told me the sky was blue, I'd go outside and, and double check. I don't believe a single thing you say. I think you are a scumbag and a liar. Dave Weigel from the Washington Post just blocked me on Twitter because I was calling him out on all his endless series of, of lies. Maggie Haven from the New York Times was a genius at Politico, goes to New York Times, and she's printing false stories on Twitter about how Ivanka's buying her home from the Russians when, in fact, it was a Lithuanian guy. It just makes no sense. You have careers, but you have to run to sit there and try to, I guess, I don't know, seem fashionable, which is crazy because they're so idiot. They're so hideous looking half these people. They're never going to be like on an actual red carpet. <laughs> now, do you think do you think all of this is like they're just they just have to tear Trump down as fast as they can, as fast as they can. 
I think it's I think it's a matter. Of, I think it's a, it's the it's the culture of that town of that world that you possibly walk into. You won't be able to go. How could you possibly go to the farmers market on Sunday and look you know your neighbor who you don't know their name in the eye um, if you sit there and and have uh, and have an article that's not completely heinous about Donald Trump. Um, you know, some are decent. I think Jennifer Jacobs, as I mentioned before, is brilliant, and I read everything that she writes. Um, but there's a lot of other ones. I mean, and honestly, some mainstream outlets are even better than conservative outlets because conservative outlets, they are full of it, some of them. Um, you know, uh, Dana Lausch is running to try to be, you know, the right wing. Uh, she all of a sudden loves Trump while she was a never Trumper. Katie Palvage, you know, Guy Benson. These people couldn't stand him. And now they are, you know, saying hashtag MAGA. It's not to make you want to throw up. I mean, they're so disingenuous. But that is, I mean, that is the nature of D.C. And it is, it is a, you know, power, power, I guess, corrupts even the most minimal, minuscule power. But um, but I think it's about being in that town and having to show that you are an enlightened person and you are, you know, part of the hashtag resistance, even in the smallest way. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to see like the Guy Bensons and the Katie Pavliches and the Dana Lashes. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm actually glad to see them come around because I, I think that's one thing. And, and, and Stacy and I were talking about this last week and, and I think a couple of weeks ago. It's like the right is horrible about circling their wagons. We're horrible about circling our wagons. I mean, voices on the right are dropping like flies. They're absolutely dropping like flies. Uh, Milo's gone. Bill O'Reilly's gone. Now all these people will rise again, like like the phoenix from the from the ashes. But like I, I see people on the right kind of rooting for Sean Hannity to go away, and I'm like, what are you people doing? Yeah, and like, I know what are you doing. That. You know, but here's the thing, and, I'll, and a perfect example is Tommy Lauren. Now I don't know Tommy. I was on her show when she had her first show, but I don't know her. I never hung out with her. I never even watched her show. Not even when I was a guest. That being said, um. And nothing against the girl. The amount of venom that they ran after to just destroy her publicly and the Glenn Beck people were were a big part of that. And a big reason is, is some of those people have been in the business for decades and they never made it. You know, they never really made it. They never got to the Ann Coulter style of of just fame. I mean, if that's what what and it's amazing how many former actors are in this business, but they never got to that level. And Tommy got there in a year, a year and a half. Yeah. Kills them. It kills them. And they will savage somebody. I mean, Bill O'Reilly was on top for 15 years, the number one cable news program for 15 straight years in a row, or I think maybe even longer, like 16 or seven. Yeah. Yeah. But still, that's insane. Those are like Oprah numbers of years to be on top of your field. And there was blood in the water and people wanted him out because they're jealous. There's a lot of jealousy in that thing. It's not like, oh, here's for the group. It's, you know, the dollar is going to your book sale is being taken out of my book sale. It's a big culture like that down there. Yeah, it's crazy. I find it I find it a lot to be like um, stand up comedy. I really do. Like stand-ups get incredibly jealous of other successful stand-ups. Oh, they do. And, They're awful. Oh, it's 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 everywhere. Yeah. And I, I really try not to fall into that trap. Stand-ups are the 
when I ever do a, a show and or like even an open mic and there's like in more than half the room are other stand ups, I'm like, I'm not going to get any laughs tonight because this is going to be a crowd that the whole time they're going to sit there with their notebook trying to copy your jokes or do versions of the same jokes that you just wrote. And they're not going to laugh. They just they're not going to sit there and give you the benefit of the doubt because they're going to be in their own heads the entire time and freezing you out. And it's, you know, those are the shows that are the worst. They're not encouraging of each other whatsoever. In my well, I tell you, uh, yeah, you just got to you just got to stick through it. Like, just, you know, tighten up your chin strap and keep going, because, like, I've been doing stand up for a long time. However, like my friends in the, the stand up comedy world are like super supportive and like and very encouraging. And how's it going? And they're like, they're genuinely happy for my success. And I'm genuinely happy for their success. And I think that that's I mean. That's definitely what I'm trying to do with like this podcast and the loftusparty.com and the Flipside TV show. Like the whole thing. Like I want to be a magnet. Like I don't want to hang out with the haters. Right? On yeah. on the right, on the left, funny, not funny, whatever. I just want to have some fun and and have cool people that want to do that with me, you know? Yeah. Well, I have a lot of hate in my heart, so that that start there, but <laughs> but I'm from New York. <laughs> we will, so um, I love you that. So much I love time that. For parking, you have to sit there and start getting a lot of hate in your heart. You're you're what? You're in Queens. I'm born and raised Queens. Queens is the day is long. Yes. Ah, oh, there you go. And that, is yeah. that is that what you're planning on staying, or do you ever think you'll go into the city? Um, I uh, no. I I mean maybe. I mean, who the hell knows? But I, my apartment is two blocks from my mom, who lives across the street from her mom. So, it's it's you know maybe we'll get to the, like the, the Guinea Holy Land of New Jersey, but uh, eventually, I mean, but until then, we're just like a couple blocks from each other. But how great is that? The food must be incredible. You can just like you can just crawl over to your mother's house and she cooks something amazing, or orders Chinese like the rest of us do. Um, no, but she, <laughs> but she, um, she, yeah. I mean, I have lunch with my brother and my cousin, who's like my brother, who's raised very close to me. Every single Monday, we have lunch together, and then we have family dinner every Sunday. And I was telling Miley Yiannopoulos that, and he was like so stunned. And he was like, "Oh, that's why you're so well adjusted." Um, as a joke, because you know, obviously, look at me. But um, but that was um. That was uh, yeah. That's my that's my life. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm from a very traditional just Italian family, and you know, I think the thing that makes a great comic though sometimes is that dynamic where um, that's a very unconventional thing for nowadays. And having such a big family, you would look around, people would be saying you know insane things left and right, and you kind of take a step back and say, for a normal person, this is insane, and then this is your everyday life. Yeah. Um, I think it's what gave me like a, a bit of a comic edge was realizing the genuine, general, genuine insanity um, about the people that I was surrounded around or surrounded with every single day. Yeah, that's always that's always a, a fun thing when you start realizing like, wow, my normal is somebody else's like super weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's absolutely. We used to have a bipolar man um, who lived next door to my grandmother. And my mom, God bless her, I love her, but she is the last one to be cued in on something. Like she's just in her own world, she's doing her own thing. So there was one man with one day when the bipolar man walked into my grandmother's house completely naked, and my um my my mother walked in like a couple minutes after him, but had probably had to have seen him. I don't know how she didn't see him like walking the house naked, walked in and said, "What's hanging?" And she really did not get like the hint that there was that there was a naked man standing like you know a foot away. <laughs> 
It's great, but that's yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Good that you know, there's like naked bipolar people walking around. That's, that's you know that's, you're in a good neighborhood. And that's what I call home. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs welcome mats? <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, so um, that's fantastic. What what do you think of the first 100 days? I'm I'm I tell you what I'm I'm done with the first 100. I'm glad we're beyond it. I'm glad we're past it because that's all you heard. That's all you heard. I thought it's been, I think it's been a great 100 days. What are your thoughts? Um, it's been a mixed bag. It's been a mixed bag of 100 days. I think that um, a lot, I think that the Trump's problem has been, I don't know, I think is. I think a bit of his agenda has been hijacked by the mainstream of the party. Um, I think that the wall's probably not going to happen. I very, I, I doubt it. Um, and unless some miracle happens in 2018, um, we're going to get killed because the party is not living up to the expectations of the voters. In Paul Ryan's continuing budget, I know we're going to get to that. That just passed. Paul Ryan, that can I curse on this thing? We you can, can curse a little. Okay, that son of a. Bitch. Sat there and just expanded H2B visas. Now, if you don't know what H2B visa is, it is for a blue collar worker. So he he uh, his bill had increased the amount of um, blue collar workers we're going to bring into this country by 20,000 more every single solitary year. How is that going to benefit the massive working class that just voted for Trump? They have new foreign competition, 20,000 new foreign competition every single year. Now, a number of things that Trump tried, obviously the courts were trying to hold him up. Congress is not on his side. The Democrats are doing nothing besides trying to stop him. But it speaks to volumes. I mean, the Democratic Party, and I'm writing this for RedAlertPolitics.com, the Democratic Party right now is a broken down car. There's The motherboard doesn't know where it's going. People inside are screaming. There's no one driving it whatsoever. And still, that broken down car was able to run over House Republicans. They will fight for nothing. They are feckless. They are ballless. I mean, it is infuriating, absolutely infuriating. Paul Ryan is a joke of a speaker. And, uh, you know, chasing health care, chasing tax cuts, there is so much more that Trump could have done to try to build a more consensus and make it harder for Democrats to fight him. But following Paul Ryan is a loser. Following Paul Ryan has always been a loser. The man is a joke as a politician. My hatred for him is, you know, is uh, hot and deep. And, it, you know, it sounds like a porn movie, but it is it is truly i'm truly disgusted by his speakership and if Donald trump does not get it together we're going to lose the entire american first agenda it will all have been for absolutely nothing wow wow i had no idea about those uh that visa program yeah no no no, no one reported it because you know trump said a civil war comment so that obviously is more important um uh, by these idiots in the media um we didn't get anything on the wall whatsoever uh they expanded uh the military by 15 billion dollars without giving an audit to the department of defense and the pentagon which have they have billions and billions of dollars in waste that could be analyzed um, we're not getting, we're, I'm a, um, what's, I'm not McChrystal, um, who was, um, the top general, I can't remember his name, just popped out of my mind, but, uh, McMaster's. McMaster's is talking about, you know, if we're going to send ground troops to North Korea, it, this is insane. 
Build a damn wall. Get an infrastructure bill. Do maternity leave. There are a million. Do right to try, which gives dying people the chance to try experimental drugs. There were so many great populist things that Democrats would have wrapped their arms around out, and instead Trump is talking about you know this the 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 tax cut that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. The Obamacare thing, which is a complete sham. I mean, look, Republicans have control of everything, and they're doing very very little. And it's not all Trump's fault, but I think that. Trump has surrounded himself with a lot of snakes who are sitting there, and it's very, very, very bad. You know, most especially Gary Cohn. But that's now, my- this this budget this budget goes through what September? September. But the permanent ad- addition of the visa holders is per- is is permanent until changed. That's a that's a permanent thing. And I mean, they wanted to increase. Wow, the- that's they so to- depressing, man. That's so depressing. It is it is infuriating because truly. House Republicans and and congressional Republicans looked at Trump's victory and said, well, that's nice. We have someone to sign our bills now. But they were not going to change one iota. And unless the America First committee or group or whoever sits there and gets political and gets active and gets motivated and starts primarying some of these people and actually putting the fear of God in them, then we're not going to get anywhere. But it's about time we sit there and we hold the conservative movement's feet to the fire because if we don't, I mean, then they deserve to get completely uh, uh, destroyed in 2018. Trump does not deserve re-election in 2020. He fought for one people, the American workers. Um, he's done, The H-2B is a thing, uh, H-1B is a rather, uh, B visa, he's doing a whole um, audit of that. That's fabulous. Um, his uh, his movement on, um, on, on enforcing immigration laws, Jeff Sessions, excellent. His, his thing on the economy, excellent. Uh, regulatory reform, very, very good. Uh, he wants to look at the banks. That's promising looking, but, uh, you know, the devil's in the details. There's a lot to be happy about, and I'm very happy. I mean, Trump was my guy since day one. Yet and still, um, the fact that he's not a Wong is great for campaigning, but it's terrible for governing. And they are, and I just get extremely frustrated that Paul Ryan's at the helm right now because he does not believe at all in the American worker. He's a globalist. He is he's he's declared war on the American worker in my eyes. And there's no I other really, way. Really, I'm very I'm just like I'm stunned that they would grant these visas to like blue collar jobs. I always thought those visas were like for like Silicon Valley, like computer dudes. That's, so, so that's H-1B. That's a specialty, that's the specialty visa. And what they do with those are, this is why, and he ordered an audit of them, which was really, really good. So H-1B, you have to do the quote unquote specialty jobs, but you have to pay them only $65,000 a year. Now, a normal person at Facebook, it's paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So they're still screwing over the American worker, but it's only in these specialty jobs. Now, H-2B visas are for non-farm work. So this is not the crop pickers who, you know, you see all the time on, on, on CNN. This is people who are maids. These are people who are, you know, are doing blue collar work that could absolutely go to Americans. 110%. This is not, you know, this is for people who work at summer camps. This is for people who do minimal labor and to increase the pool of potential workers means you're going to reduce by market forces the amount of money Americans make. And why in the heck that has to be evident to Paul Ryan? That has to be. Why in the heck would they do that? 
because he doesn't care about Americans. He never has. And he is a terrible politician. Back in 2011, I live in New York and I used to run campaigns. I worked for Thomas Massey and Bob Turner and Michael Bloomberg. And I, I used to run this. I'm a little more wonky and geekier um, than, than the average person. But back in 2011, when Paul Ryan first ran the House, he, if you remember, he was going to do this Medicaid reform and Social Security reform. And he was planning out the economy until the year 2100. It was absolute lunacy. It was utterly rejected. The plan didn't make any sense whatsoever. So he said, okay, forget about 2100. We're doing it in five years. It was even crazier. I mean, he was being laughed out by by everybody. This is when he was in the chairman of the House and, Way, and, and Ways Committee. Um, yeah. Anyway, this he was the face of the Republican Party for that brief time. There were special elections held in this country in safe Republican seats, and Republicans were losing them because they were running – people were running against Paul Ryan. Uh, Paul Ryan doesn't understand the national implications of politics. He's an ideologue through and through. He's a small L libertarian when it comes to workers. Um, and he's everything bad. I always, I've always said this. He's everything bad with the Republican Party. And he shows people as long as you have muscles, do a dopey blue eyes and a widow's peak, you can go far in this country. <laughs> there's nothing else holding that man uh, together. Well, I tell you, do you now, is there any way that like this whole wall thing will be revisited in September when it comes back around again. I think the only time you're going to see the wall potentially happen. Now they say it's going to happen in September. Um, the only way that I could absolutely see it happen is um, a, if, um, if like the El Chapo money comes in, they're suing El Chapo for $14 billion. Or I think that's B hilarious. That's I the best idea ever. Yeah. Um, El Chapo, the El Chapo money, or if they do it through, um, through either a reconciliation bill, which is very, very hard. I can't imagine doing that. And, or um, in a lame duck session. Like, let's say the Democrats just get obliterated in 2018 by some miracle um, and lose a bunch of Senate seats like Joe Donnelly in Indiana or Claire McCaskill in Missouri. Um, and before the next legislation, legislative session begins, they just tell them, like, look, guys, you already lost. Sit there and you know give a big F you to the Democratic Party, which is what happens quite often um, to the outgoing party people. So um, I think that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in that time. Um, but but, you know, even even Chuck Schumer was saying today that uh, that there were seven members of the Republican Senate Senate um, senators who sat there and said they didn't want to vote for a wall. So I just it's extremely infuriating and um, it's an extremely short sighted thing. And I, like Ann Coulter has said in the past, and she's absolutely right, immigration is everything. It's 100 percent everything. And without controlling our borders, we are, you know, a marketplace, not a country. I tell you, I really I agree as well. Uh, I'm immigration is everything. You either have a country or you don't. You either have a country or you don't. And that's like it was terrifying to me when the WikiLeaks came out and, you know, you had uh, uh, Hillary Clinton saying that she dreams of a borderless country with green energy, blah, blah, blah. That was terrifying. I, I'm not I don't because dream she's never going to live in Tijuana. Country. Yeah, she's never going to live in Tijuana. And neither is Chelsea. And she's not, you know, do you ever see that image of do you ever see that image of Hillary walking to that poor person's apartment? Do you ever see no. that? Okay, no. there's an image. You can look it online. She she takes a tour. I don't know in what godforsaken city, but she goes for, in, into a tour for a, a poor person's apartment, and she looks horrified. It's the same look that a normal person has when they go home with a Tinder date, and they look at it, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to get killed here. <laughs> it's the same exact look, and she looks horrified by it because she's never going to have to live like that. 
Yeah, yeah. But she has hot sauce in her purse, so if she does yeah. get attacked, she can. <laughs> she knows the real struggles black people then, yeah, because she's got hot sauce in her purse. That's the thing that always kills me. It's like these Democrats, like out in the Hamptons and in the in the in the Palisades and Beverly Hills, these super 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 uh, rich people, they always vote Democrat, and I just I don't understand it. I mean, I I think that there's a guilt factor in it. I really do. Oh, I mean, I understand that, but like, I, I mean, it's just like you can pay more if if you're like, um, like one of the guys who started DreamWorks sold his house today for like eighty five million dollars. Okay, so if if you think that there is all this injustice and all these people need help, write a check, dude. Grab your checkbook and write a big fat check. Like, why do we all have to do it? Yeah, and they and they probably feel they already do, and they. But it's it's more than you know. And I've said this uh, a couple of times. Every human being innately wants to be part of something bigger than themselves, either a religion or a country or a cause or some social group or their or a town, um, and be very active in that thing. For a bunch of these social justice warriors and these super liberals, being liberal, the identity of being liberal is their entire world. If they had to actually sit there and deal with the fact that, like, uh, welfare has made the black family poorer since the 1960s on average and have to actually come up with real facts of, of, of how all of their social programs have utterly failed those they intend to help, I mean, it would be it would be like an Orthodox Jew seeing Jesus rise from the dead. They wouldn't know how to handle it. Their entire worldview was wrong. They just couldn't possibly deal with that because it's what they've wrapped their whole lives in. Yeah, I tell you, that's oh, you're, it's driving me crazy because I I wanted to talk about that on the last TV show, um, uh, this whole thing like, you know, Obama's like, hey, we tried this thing with Cuba for like forty some years and it didn't work, so now we're gonna try something else. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Let's apply that to everything. Let's apply that to the war on poverty. We've been trying this for God knows how many years, it's not working. Let's try something else. Let's try capitalism. Let's get some money into these like ghettos and inner cities and see what happens when they start businesses. And you could tell the dis the true dishonesty, especially in the media, by how they're reporting Venezuela right now. Venezuela is a hellhole. People are eating their pets. And how many people got killed today? I, I, I dozens. I mean, it is it is it's a hellhole. It's a it's a human hellhole in a paradise. Venezuela is a beautiful country, warm all the time. Could be a major farming uh, nation. They have oil. They have everything. And it's a hellhole because of just socialism. And I see like Fusion TV and a couple of these people reported and they're acting as if it's just they don't know why it's gone like this. It's just gone like this. There's all there's no trust in, in, in the system. So therefore, no, it's because of Hugo Chavez and the system that he created and the fact that you're all enslaved by the state. And, you know, it, it is it is totally insane. It is like watching a Dane Cook movie and saying it's funny. It's not. We need to sit there. <laughs> See, like now I will remind you, like stand up comics love to hate on other stand up comics. Oh, no, I laughed. I, I mean, I, he's, he's I'm not, not going to say anything about Dane. Uh, <laughs> I know some people who don't like Dane at all, but I understand what you're saying. Like Venezuela. I'm not even kidding. I have to Google this. I have to Google this. I have to Google this. Like I think eight people were killed today. They were like electrocuted when they were trying to break into a bakery. Well, that's the it, same country that doesn't allow them to bake brownies anymore. Bakers, yeah, 
Bakers can't bake brownies anymore because all they're supposed to bake is bread. And they weren't making enough on bread because that's price controlled. So they would sell brownies. And there was a big government crackdown. You can't even get brownies. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, what are the potheads supposed to do? Smoke all the time? Um, No, I think that I think that it's 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 insane. But this is what you know what Berkeley and all these uh, very far left liberal colleges should do instead of having, you know, how Jews have birthright and Greeks have birthright. You go back to your home country for like three months. They will have to visit Venezuela for six months. They have to live in Venezuela for six months. All of these socialists, and then they could sit there and afterwards, after they've eaten a dog before and been electrocuted to try to get a piece of bread, then they can come back and look at the grocery store and say, you know what, it's not so bad here. Okay, so I'm looking at the article right now. Venezuela, eight people are dead. They were electrocuted. They were looting a bakery and they were trying to steal a refrigerator. There was an electric fence and somebody touched a cord. Something happened. But zappity zap, looters got zapped. Now, that's not funny because those people were starving to death. However, it's kind of funny because they were trying to steal the refrigerator and they don't have any food. It is. It's also kind of funny because, you know, like one of their last words was like, Jose, you had one job. Uh, I don't have any food, but man, this refrigerator is right here. I think we should grab it. You know what? Good idea. Zap. Um, Socialism doesn't work. They're talking about Bernie running again. That was in the news today. Bernie Sanders. No, <laughs> He'll Biden. be the first one to run in a wheelchair, like as he's walking <laughs> as he's walking up. And you know what? Honestly, if he did that, if he was in a wheelchair campaigning, I think the theme song should be These Boots Are Made for Walking. I'm sorry. Or Ride and Dirty, one of the two. Um because yeah. he'll be like 79, 80. Um, That's right. and- or they could use they could use uh, some Bob Marley. Get up, stand up. <laughs> Stand up yeah. if you can. I, I don't know if Bernie has the stamp. I mean, 78. I mean, my grandma's 79. So I, I can't you know, run to run the country. You'd be 83 by the time it was over. There are some people who still got it in their 80s. But, you know, uh, few and far. I just, I just like what he stands for. Like, I'm terrified. I really am. I, I'm terrified. Like, if you if if it was just the millennials who voted and that was it. Millennials voted and nobody else. Hillary wins in a landslide. I think Donald Trump gets four votes. That's it. Um, I don't think that map – I think the map – I know the map you're referring to. It's not exactly correct because not all states were polled. So I think that's a guesstimation. But yes, millennials did vote for um, for Hillary in a landslide, less so than Barack Obama and even more so sat out. But that is why – and that is what was so frustrating to me is – I made the case for Donald Trump at the entire primary because we couldn't go back to the George Bush um, method, which was everyone running besides Rand Paul and Donald Trump. Every Republican was promising more war, um, uh, more inflationary spending, more, um, you know, uh, more of the same. And I was like, you know what, if we get Trump. Who knows? Maybe we'll get some some things like right to choose. Maybe we'll break up some of the big banks. Maybe we'll get some in between where where Trump will sit there like a bulldozer and say, you know, the system isn't working right now. His education reform, which was to be um, which was to cap 
um, it, uh, it was student loans would be capped at a certain percentage. Students would have to pay them back every month for 15 years, and everything after that would be paid off by the government. It's not exactly free market capitalism, but there's not free market capitalism in the education system already. So as long as we're spending money, spend it on our future, spend it on people. I mean, if we're not going to have this libertarian free market, then let's, let's at least direct as much money to students as we do to Walmart um, or, or these companies that outsource jobs. So he had all these great, fabulous ideas, and that is my frustration. The first 100 days, all I see is Paul Ryan's agenda written across the wall. And it's not the agenda that could sit there and give millennials a chance to sit there and say, wow, okay, he's not a monster. Okay, you know, Republicans aren't evil. Okay, maybe everything I've heard isn't exactly, you know, what I've been told. And it would give especially not even just millennials, but Generation Z, who are the new 17-year-olds right now, they're going to be walking into that presidency. They're, I mean, I was when I was 18, George Bush was in, was president, and um, or, or sorry, when I was like 17, or it was like 16, 15, George Bush was president, and he um, and the Iraq War was going on, and that fundamentally impacted my generation. You know, that's a big part of why millennials move so far away from Republicans was because of George W. Bush and how miserable a lot of his policies were for us. So, um, and I wanted to join the Marines. I'm not, you know, bashing people who did that, but that is, that was a significant thing. And I said, okay, we got to try something new. And I just get frustrated because I feel like Generation Z is up for grabs. They're tired of the social justice warrior nonsense. They're following people like PewDiePie on, on YouTube. And they're, they're completely going to smash the system millennials have, have created for them. Only if we don't follow exactly what Paul Ryan and the established Republicans want to do. And so far, I see it marching in that in that area. So so I always want to be optimistic or, or at least try or have a pathway to optimism. Like I'm happy to know I'm on the path. Right. I just want to know I'm on the path. So like how do we go about like making these changes? How do, is it just like getting guys who who say one thing and do another? Do we just throw them away and and try to get somebody else? I think that it has. You know, there's some really interesting people right now on the right. Um, people like Milo, people like Gavin McGinnis, people like Mike Cernovich, um, the non-traditional, you know, non-heritage foundation Republicans who have massive, massive followings who back Trump thoroughly through and through. Instead of worrying about you know, their own celebrity or, or, you know, just, just changing culture, which is what they're all about and fighting the media, which is great. They need to sit there and there needs to be somebody, not just them, but just has to be somebody who is the political voice for the America first movement. Cause there's a lot of, cause the America first movement, I will give credit to, unlike the tea party, they're not kicking out intellectuals. They're not, they're not, they're trying to affect culture, which is great. But there's no political arm, and we have to create a political arm. So the, the Democrats have Act Blue and the Daily Cause. America First Movement needs something like that to sit there and find new candidates, run for all sorts of office, and pressure and run commercials and and and, and lobby and fight for certain issues because it can't be Trump by himself with Steve Bannon, and Stephen Miller, and you know Ross uh, and uh, Wilbur Ross and a handful of other people. It has to be an institution. And and I see the American First people confronting social justice warriors and free speech. I see them um, uh, having intellectuals in their own publications. 
Communications out of Claremont University, all fabulous, but they need a political arm. And that has to start. And I don't know who's going to start it, but it has to start. Now, I know you you know Milo mm-hmm. and um, I, I think I think Milo's awesome. I, I I really do. Like super entertaining, super funny. That that dude like makes me laugh a lot. And now do you know Gavin as well? Yeah, I just hosted Gavin's show on um, Thursday on Compound Media. Something really, really weird happened, and I would love to talk to him about this. I would love to find out. Uh, and then I'll talk – I just want to talk a little bit about Gavin. Um, so I started doing uh, Red Eye on Fox News. Yeah. And like the second time – I used to do it back way, way back in the early days when Greg first started it, and I would be live via satellite from L.A., but that was like zero fun. But now that I'm – spending a lot of my time in New York, I started going into the studio. So like the second time I went in there, uh, people were talking like Gavin's never going to be on the show anymore. And I'm like, Ooh, what did he do? And they're like, Oh, he wrote a letter. He wrote an open letter to Fox news. And I, I haven't been able to find it anywhere. But yeah. He was, I know the letter. He was, what was it? What happened? He basically told Fox News, like, I'm not going to do your network anymore because all you do is have these dumb blondes who want to make a name for themselves, who don't know any issues whatsoever, who are just pretty um, all over your network. I'm not going to debate them anymore. Like, I'm not going to be on with like with just people who are just trying to be famous and don't know about any issues whatsoever and just bash has had a few names in it and he's like i'm not going to do it anymore i'm not going to waste my time sitting there talking to women who you know their names are bambi and they have a sleeveless shirt and they're giving the hard news oh okay all right so i thought maybe i was kind of and i was kind of hoping that he knew something uh like he could see the handwriting on the wall because like that there's this huge shakeup at fox right now yeah uh, and i for the life of me i don't understand it i mean i can understand I can kind of understand the Bill O'Reilly thing. Stacy and I were talking about it last week, and like he settled out of court. And if if you have a settlement, these there's non you know people are not supposed to be talking about it, so you don't have to pay him the money. Blah 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 blah. His ratings were huge, but anyway, I think they're happy that Bill O'Reilly is gone. Uh, and I, I don't know uh, what's going to happen with Jesse Waters. I think that dude might be gone too. I'm not a fan of Jesse, but I know I know some people. I know I'm very good friends with one very high profile person at Fox. Very, very high profile. He used to have his own show at Fox. And um no names, but he told me Bill O'Reilly was the was had literally had no friends at the network. That everyone hated him. He had a horrible attitude. I've had dinner with Bill O'Reilly three times. And it's very much like kiss the ring and show me why you deserve to be my presence. Um, it is a very tough, it's not, he's not, you know, he has an attitude and he's making you well known about it. And apparently he had, had that with everyone at Fox. So when you're in that kind of situation, when you are the king of a network and you don't treat people and you treat people like you are the king. And then when, you know, things go down, apparently people want to sit there and throw you under the bus. Sean Hanny might be leaving. That was reported today too. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, well, one Rupert Murdoch, I think, and um, uh, is no longer in control. And uh, not Rupert, but um, oh god, what the hell is his name? Um, he works for the Trump administration. Uh, uh, Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes isn't there yeah. anymore. That was a huge loss. I think that they want to turn the network into something else. The Sons, the Murdoch Sons. Um, 
And there are also, and I, we, I said this before, probably, there's a lot of just thirsty bitches out there who want their chance, who want to be famous, who want to sit there and, and have that moment in the sun. And they'll take down somebody. They'll make, I know, okay, I know for a fact, and I know this as I have the email exchange, there's a Fox News host that I know who's married with children. Um, and and he was having an affair with one of the uh women at Fox who was a, uh, she wasn't even paid. She was just like on there for free. And she was trying to get a contributorship. She was trying to get, um, all this stuff. And so she thought having an affair would be a way to it. And she didn't get one, but she became a high profile person on another network. She is threatening a lawsuit against, um, against the host. I told you about that, that she had an affair with simply for both, uh, ratings and news. And for the fact that she, um, thinks that it will give her some profile and some money, but it was completely consensual, 100 and total, 100 total, uh, consensual. Um, wow. And, and women, I mean, listen, I'm not shitting on women and there's a lot of women who, who do go through abuse and, and are attacked, but when, when one comes out and then 37 come out, not everyone's an angel, but not everyone's Bill Cosby either. You know, uh, and I think that a lot of people are, I mean, there was that one woman who said that, uh, Bill O'Reilly called her blondie and that was sexual assault. Um, right. it's, it's. It's 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 a lot of people trying to get a quick paycheck because they're done with they're done with what they're doing and they are ready to just make some quick money and also there are a lot of heads in the media I do I know one gay person at Fox who um, offers people money for shows all like another other gay guys like oh you want to get on Kennedy okay well you know maybe we'll get to dinner sometime and I know people who take him up on the offer. Um, it's it is a very corrupting uh, thing to have that much influence, and it is um, and there's a lot of shitheads who use it to their uh, advantage. But there's also um, a lot of people who are looking for a quick payout, and they're hoping to be a victim. Wow, wow, that bums me out. That uh, really, well, I mean, I mean, so I guess it's the free market. Someone else is going to bubble up. Someone else that. Just I was looking at like I think it was an article in Variety or the Hollywood Reporter, just about how much money Fox News makes for 21st Century Fox, and it is yeah. a quarter. It is a quarter of their yearly operating budget. Fox News brings in 6.6 billion dollars a year. Yeah, and 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 there is somebody though, and there is Tucker Carlson now, and Tucker is doing a fabulous job, and he's a wonderful person, and I've known him. Um, not friends, but I've been on, I was on, um, Fox and friends when he was the host and, um, and he's a wonderful person truly and has a good sense of humor, clean, doesn't drink and great and wonderful. And no, one I want to do, a, I want to do a music video with Tucker Carlson and he would probably be up for it cause he's fun and he's funny and he's, and he's smart and he's, you know, I think that he right now is probably the voice of, of the intellectual American first movement, him and Laura Ingram nationally, but, but that, but yes, but he, um, he, he's smart and he's great and no one is so needed so permanent as bill o'reilly thought he was you know uh, uh you know if 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 uh if i don't know who's like the number one say if lady gaga died tomorrow um knock on wood i'm not saying it wanted to but if she died tomorrow she'd be forgotten in two weeks there'd be just somebody else waiting i tell her. you i have a new lady gaga bit i think i'm gonna try it i might try it tonight i don't know it's not really a bit but it's like she was just at coachella right right Okay, so she's re they're redoing A Star is Born. So how <laughs> pissed would you be? So they're redoing A Star is Born with Lady Gaga. So well, she's 25th. on the Billy Coach. 
so she, she's on the bill at Coachella. So you stand out there in the hot in the sun all day and you're like, ooh, here comes Lady Gaga. Here comes Lady Gaga. And then she comes out on stage and she's like, do you want to be in my movie? And people are like, yeah. And then she's going to start singing some crap song from her new. <laughs> you're like, no, no, bitch. You do the hits. You do Why? the hits. Did they pick like, her out? Be because so she mad. Did they pick her because she had a big nose like Barbara Streisand? They're like, oh, this works. I mean, oh, she's an actress all of a sudden. Uh, that's, oh, that is you knew really... she was. You knew she was going to make that transition. But I mean, but but look at I mean, like go imagine trying to go to like a Lauren Hill concert. Lauren Hill in the '90s, the greatest probably female uh, hip hop artist, a female hip hop artist of the '90s, and you go to see her shows, and she's four hours late, and she does a spoken word performance because she's nuts. I mean, e- I, I, I mean. <laughs> It's oh, a, my it's gosh. Wild. I'm so bummed out about Fox News. It really does look like they're imploding. But I you guess know Tucker's doing well. That's good. Tucker's fabulous. And, and there will be another one. There is a market for it. If you build it, they will come. And maybe their model's outdated. You know, maybe their audience is too old. And maybe there's and the next conservative media platform is is just waiting to bubble up. Um, you know, and if maybe if Glenn Beck wasn't so crazy and thinking he was going blind every five minutes, he would have had it. But it's not going to be at the blaze. But it will be there because there's the, there's a market for it. There's an audience for it. It's So it nothing is so permanent. Nothing is, is – but, you know – Fox had that for a long time. I think when Roger went, I think it was it was the slow, you know, the slow push from everybody. But but there will be another one. And the future is the Internet anyway. So, you know, we'll see. Well, here's what concerns me about the Internet. You can't just like stumble across a website on the Internet. Like I was on uh, and I'm, I'm seriously I'm not like when I'm on CNN, just this list last Sunday for like two minutes or whatever, like everybody in the airport saw me everybody people were clicking around the flip side even though it's on like U2 america and family entertainment tv it's on and people can like flip around and like kind of find it you can't just stumble across uh the blaze you can't just stumble across crtv i mean as much as i love the internet and and yeah i think it is the future like how do we get people to like just to stumble across uh, you know people on the right who are having fun and want to convince them that freedom is better than socialism. Well, ask Tommy Lauren. She did it. Ask Miley Annapolis. He did it. He, Milo, Milo's been on literally a handful of shows ever. Um, ask, you know, but Tommy. I guess he did it through Twitter, though. Yeah. And he was just a fun person, fun person. I, I mean, I, I, my, the first time I ever talked to Milo, um, he tweeted, this girl tweeted him like, you're, you know, this thing and that thing. And you're just a 30, a 32 year old, uh, SOB, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he wrote back, I'm 31. You C word. Um, <laughs> so that's all he cared about, but it is, I mean, but it is the future and Tommy Lauren's, uh, final memos. They went viral. They had they had they had 50, 60 million people watch them on the internet because they went viral. I mean, I truly believe if you build it, they will come and people will stumble upon it, and then maybe they'll get network shows. Um, but it's about building building that audience, and that's where do how you think you, Tommy's going to land? I allegedly, this is all alleged. I heard that there are some people, some people with a lot of money, are trying to make a new network, and they're offering Tommy a contract and Bill O'Reilly contract. And probably Sean Hannity, if he leaves, they'll offer him a contract, too. And the gang will be back together in in an alternative to Fox. Allegedly, that's what people are working on. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Matt, but. I've, I've heard a similar rumor. I have heard a similar, similar rumor. 
That's all good. I hope they do because, man, oh, man, um, it is in the mainstream media. I, I just – I did – every once in a while, I'll update my list of like how many shows are dedicated full-time to making fun of the right. And the list has just now grown to 13 to 1. There are literally 13 full-time comedy shows or discussion shows that do nothing but just ridicule the right. And then there's uh, me with my little flip side TV show. I have a question. <laughs> How many underpaid white male writers have to work every single week to get Samantha Beebe slightly funny? I, I don't know. And I mean, that's, I that's basically, I mean, that's a big part of her thing. It's, it is ironic though. Same thing with, uh, oh God, who was it? Off? Larry Wilmore, who was uh, talking about being woke. It was all written by like white male writers, the whole entire thing, which is like the funniest part of it. If they only had to sit through the room with these people um, and actually see who was making these jokes and uh, they would be like, wow, you know, they're speaking for me and my generation. Um, I think that, I think that, Humor on the left, um, although they still maybe have viewers, a lot of people who are even older who watch our shows. I um I I think that really since since uh, John Stewart left the Daily Show, there has been a gigantic vacuum um, for for someone funny on the left um, with with that kind of audience and that kind of uh, uh, um, base. Yeah, I mean, I think John Oliver does up. I think he's doing pretty good numbers. Oh, he's sweating all the time in that British accent. He's he's he's. I don't. I've never. I've never won. Can someone repeat one joke by John Oliver ever? I mean, really, it's it's. No, I just I just remember one bit that he did that drove me crazy when he had like uh, ninety nine scientists. 99 people dressed up as scientists against one guy, and it was a climate change bit. That's all I remember uh, about that. Oh, and then I remember him uh, begging Donald Trump to run for president. Yeah, that's the only one we're anyone begging you. We're begging you. Yes, that's the only one anyone remembers. Um, but but no, I, Bill Maher is funny, but he's certainly not what everyone else is, these other quote-unquote comedians. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I think that there's really a gigantic hole. These people are not that good they're not that funny and everyone knows it so while they may have um some decent numbers um they're not attracting these humongous audiences they're speaking to the same people who are watching bill nye the science guy or whatever the hell bill nye that really like the engineer and stand-up comic but um they're uh, i just i don't see it that i don't see them have the influence that john stewart had and the magnitude that john stewart had um, and and it's a gigantic vacuum that I don't know if it can be replaced. I was recently at CBS for some meetings. Now, of course, this was at CBS, but I guess Colbert's numbers are doing well, and that's sho that shocks me because I really thought like the Colbert report. I thought that was really a, a funny idea. Blah blah blah. Then he started taking himself. Then he started taking himself seriously, and he's running whatever. for president. And shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I thought when he took over the 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 late show that like um, America's not going to dig this. America's not going to dig politics in their late show. And I guess they are. I guess he's doing OK. Well, you know, he's doing he's doing better than Fallon, which is like the first time that's happened for NBC in some time. And I, I knew I knew I knew Fallon would burn out. He was just it, it was just too much. You can't keep that level going. Yes. And a lot of what Fallon does, that's great. Fallon is not a wonderful interviewer. If you ever listen to his interviews, he's not very, very good. Um, I think that Colbert is a lot more personable on interviews as well. But when yeah. you want to 
see when you want to see a Fallon thing, you watch one of those viral videos. It's really all Fallon has is really like spectacular. But yeah, I think that he did burn it. And also he's a bit annoying. I mean, I like him. I like him a lot. Um, but I don't think I think that there's something to a New Yorker. Not I'm shitting on my own people, but I think that there are very few New Yorkers who are pleasurable to listen to for long periods of time and can hold it. <laughs> That's so funny you should say that because we're at the end of the show. <laughs> that was perfect timing. You know what? I can handle New Yorkers for like 59 minutes and 37 seconds. <laughs> we try to keep it. Ryan, I swear you're a fantastic guest. I loved having you on. You got to stay in touch and you got to let me know uh, what's going on with you and everything. Um, and I tell you I what, stand up, you should come see me. I really, I, I, I should. I'm going to be back in New York um, in June. And okay. so we're, def we're definitely going to have to get together and hang out. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Now Absolutely. I'm, I'm in, I'm in Levittown, but I'll, I'll schlep. Yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. So um, we, we do a thing at the end uh, of every show. It's just like the TV show, Michael Topia, because there's real world, there, there's, there's rules in the real world. If you have one, that's great. If you don't, don't worry about it. Um, there's, there's rules in the real world we all have to follow that don't make any sense. Um, and, but things are different in Michael Topia. So like, here's an example, uh, of a, of a Michael Topia that I have in Michael Topia. Um, I get a phrase that I can just freak out over right now. The left and other cultures have this, like, if you say this word, I'm going to lose my mind and be violent and you're not allowed to be shocked. So in Michael Topia, I'm allowed to have a phrase where if you say it to me, I'm going to hulk out and get violent and I can't get in trouble. My phrase, I think, is going to be the Russians uh, um, hacked the election. Whenever somebody tells me the Russians hacked the election, I get to throw a brick through a Starbucks. <laughs> I think that um, if I had to, if I could, like, I guess, create a law and that people to follow or a rule people to follow for no particular reason. I think that when you are outside of vicinity of your house, yeah, and especially when you're talking to like and you're working, you should only be speaking English. And the only time you're allowed to break that is when you want to curse in a foreign language, because that's always acceptable. And foreign languages have the best curses, um, that's especially, fantastic. The, especially the Greeks. And my favorite um, is Malaka, which is somebody who masturbates to the point of mental retardation. So <laughs> my favorite curse word in any language. That's fantastic. Stacy, do you have one? I do. And Michael Topia, if you are a journalism organization and you're giving out a scholarship, you can't give one to a place like Berkeley that doesn't <laughs> actually allow dis people to speak freely. I love it. I love they it. Did you guys, that. This was, they did that. I, it's so it's it's horrible. It's I horrible. I say we cut off Berkeley like you're not allowed to have it. I did this joke. I did this joke on the latest flip side where I show it's it's a black and white photo of these, you know, people of all races in Berkeley and they're holding this sign freedom of speech. And I go, isn't it wonderful when you have to get a black and white photo to show the last time Berkeley was for freedom of speech? <laughs> That's, brilliant. That's brilliant. It was fun. OK, Ryan, thanks so much for being on uh, the Loftus Party. All you guys uh, go to loftusparty.com. Uh, go to the Facebook page. Lots of great stuff there. All kinds of awesomeness on the website. Ryan, is there anything you want to pimp before we say goodbye? Just RellerPolitics.com. I'm on Twitter at Ryan Gerdowski. Yeah, follow that sucker. All right. Thanks, you guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>